consider doing that. If you don't mind turning your Bibles to the book of Numbers, Numbers chapter 32. We've been in our sermon series uh, for the, this sermon series since uh, the beginning of August or the middle of August, I should say. And we have been looking at this idea of building up and just of how the Lord just took them on their journey, uh, on their way to the promised land and things that the Lord was instilling into the children of Israel. And so uh, this will be the last sermon uh, in, in these series of messages. Uh, just want to, before I get into that, our older children's church, I will dismiss them at a certain point in our service. It'll be a little of a, little of a, a transition distraction, but I hope that doesn't distract you too much. They'll go out, they'll work on a few things, and then they'll come back in at the end of the service. Uh, but anyway, so Children's Church, uh, hang in there, older Children's Church. So, uh, But anyway, again, going back to the message, uh, in Numbers chapter 32 is what we're going to be looking at. And just kind of wrapping up, uh, like I said, of this message and I appreciate Brother Jacob just kind of taking us through this journey uh, in the book of Numbers uh, each, each and every week. I preached a couple times through it, uh, but it's really been a, a good series for us especially because I think it takes us to that next level as far as just really building that foundation that God wants us to be and who he wants to be, not only as individuals, <clears throat> but collectively as a church. And so I really believe through this time uh, it has been able to really help us out. When we see this passage of scripture in chapter 32, first of all, is everybody doing all right this morning? Yeah, just smiling faces. I appreciate it. And uh, it, it, uh, it means a lot for us to see you here each and every week. Brother Jake talked about this a while ago as far as certain people maybe being out. I heard somebody just cough. Uh, but, you know, certain people being out, whether they're sick or different things going on in their life. And we try to keep up with that. You know, this is not part of my message. I just want to just talk for you, talk to you just a second. But we try to keep up with that as best as possible. Uh, not to keep tabs on you of, you know, why you're not here uh, because you're a, a rotten person for not being here uh, situation. But we want you to know that we care for you, that we're, that, uh, that we want to be invested in your lives and know when you're not here that you are missed. And so uh, if we fail to do that sometimes, we apologize. But we're glad that you're here. We're glad that you are uh, as often as you can to be here in church with us. It means a lot to us. Uh, sometimes if we don't get a chance to express that, I want to express that to you now. I know, like I said, as far as Jake was, Brother Jake was just saying a few minutes ago as well, is when somebody's sick and out, certain things going on in their life, just a little contact to us to let us know because... We want to be praying. We want to be reaching out. And uh, we, we want to go to the Lord in prayer or in concern about whatever's going on uh, in each and every person's uh, life. And so uh, this is kind of what you see a little bit here going back to our message <clears throat> in chapter 32. I've preached this before, but to, but to be honest with you, I'm really not, uh, don't, I don't do a good job of writing down exactly when I preach uh, this certain message. But this is one of this, these messages that really kind of spoke to me and continues to speak to me uh, in, as I'm preaching this to you guys. Because the way it preaches and the way it comes across to me in this, and I have this title, is, <clears throat> is Good, Better, and Best. That's the, name, that's the title sermon. 
is good, better, and best. Because, you know, there's a lot of things that the Lord does in our life that are good things, absolutely. And how he's brought some miraculous things in our life. And we could find ourselves settling just for those things. And then because the Lord wants to take it and even do more than what he's initially done in our life. I was, this morning on my way here, I was telling uh, Jude, I said, you know, what's interesting about salvation is salvation, once it happens in a person's life, really that, whether it's at a, a young age, say it's nine years old, or maybe it's at an age of 39 years old or, or 59 years old, doesn't matter what age, but when that happens at that moment, when the Lord reveals himself to you and you accept him into your heart and life and he comes in and abides inside of you, you are really for the rest of your life figuring out what happened in that very moment. You know, when things happen and really things come in your life, whether you at the age of nine accepted the Lord and then when you're at 16 years old and you're facing new heartaches and new troubles and new situations, you're figuring out what happened at nine. When you're 30 years old, 40 years old, and you're figuring out new situations in your life again, and things are coming at you, you're figuring out what happened in that moment of his power and his, and his love and his care and his mercy and his grace that has been poured out to you in that moment of how you're being able to cling to it in that moment in that moment later on in your life. And so the Lord wants to continue to work in and through our lives as we grow in him. So the children of Israel, as they're on this journey, I kind of, not when it comes to just regular history, I become a little bit of a nerd, but when it comes to Bible history, I become a little bit of a nerd, all right? And so when it comes to this, I enjoy knowing, uh, you know, kind of having a decent understanding of the Bible from generation, uh, generations, from Genesis to Revelation of just kind of how it maybe comes together. Because if you may take a story out of the book of Numbers and you read it and you're just like, how in the world does this even apply to my life? I think that was the biggest challenge for me and Brother Jake preaching through the book of Numbers is like, how are we going to preach in this time and just talk about numbers or just talk about a story that was well over 2,000 years ago? How are we going to make that relatable to us today? And so when you kind of get the whole concept of it all, of the Bible and what God was doing to the children of Israel and how he was making it in a way that uh, a picture of what Jesus was going to do for us on the cross and how we live on this side of the cross now. And it it's really is so relatable. And I've heard it said before, once you really understand the Old Testament, you can truly understand and appreciate the New Testament. And so when we look at this passage of Scripture this morning, and I know I've been going on and on about my intro, but as we look at this passage of Scripture this morning, I, I hope that it can really come across to us of really how this can be relatable and really touch our very lives today. So when we leave this place, that we'll be better off because we'll understand this Scripture even more. Now, if you look in my Bible in chapter 32, it says, uh, it has a title in the Bible itself, and some Bibles have this. And one of the words that says it in, uh, on the, uh, one of the words that's in that title is the word settle. And, and that's the reason I label this good, better, and best, because sometimes we'll find ourselves settling for not God's best, but what's good for us. And it's not the best in our lives that God wants for us in our lives. And so the situation that we find here is we understand 
that God had told Abraham years before, Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation. Abraham, of course, didn't have any children. We understand that. And God said, but I'm going to bless you and your seed. And through you, Abraham, I'm going to make a great nation. And he says, through this nation is how I'm going to show the rest of the world the love that I have for you and for the world. Through you, Abraham. Now, why did God choose Abraham? I, I don't really know. It, God just showed his favor upon him and he blessed him. Just like he blesses us, we don't deserve it. There's nothing spectacular about Abraham. And guess what? Even though your mama told you there's something special about you, there's not necessarily anything special about you, right? But listen, same thing for Abraham. There was nothing necessarily special about him. God just said, Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation. Now, well, what's interesting that God knew about Abraham too, though, that he knew Abraham would have a heart to trust him. And he tested that trust in Abraham many, many times. But he said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. And he says, Abraham is going to be through your seed and through your lineage that I'm going to make you a great nation. He says, now, Abraham, I want you to leave from where you are. You've heard this story. We're going to get there. He says, I want you to leave from where you are. And I want you to go to this foreign place that you do not know. And he says, this is the land that I'm going to give it to you. He said, this, is, this was just in word. This was just in promise that he told, told this to him in the book of Genesis. And about, about Genesis uh, 12, he tells him this. And he says, Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to make you and I'm going to give you this piece of property. And the name of that property was the land of Canaan. And he says, Abraham, I want you to go there and I want you to live there. You're, I'm giving you this piece of property. And he spells it out for him. He spells out the, all the dimensions of it. And he says, I want you to go there and I want you to live in that place. He says, it's yours. Every spot that I just told you, it's yours. But yet people are living there and it's theirs in, 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 uh, in earthly terms. But in heavenly terms, Abraham, I've already given it to you and your descendants. And so Abraham goes, he lives as a foreigner in his own land and he's there and he lives there. He resides there. And then it's, it's a matter of generations before it really becomes for his descendants. God's word is true and it came to pass just as just as uh, God had told Abraham years before. It is so true that it is very true even today. OK, that's the nation of Israel that we know it. And so they make their journey years later whenever God tells Moses to lead the people out of Egypt when they're there in bondage and slavery outside of that land, that promised land. And now they're making their way back to it. OK, I kind of fast forward a little bit in our story so we can get out of here before lunch. Right. And so they're making their way to the promised land. And Moses, as you know, many of you know the story that Moses leads the children of Israel out. They find themselves in what? They find themselves in slavery. They find themselves outside of the promises of God. That's not where God wanted them to be in Egypt. Egypt is really a picture of sin, of the world, of living in bondage, living in slavery. And that's what you have just become accustomed to. You're working for somebody else. You're doing all these things kind of and, and you're not really under any direction or under any leadership. You're just there working. And the people are crying out for better from God. God, your promises said there's more for us than this. What about those promises? And God sends Moses to lead the children, uh, children of Israel out of that bondage and out of that place of slavery. And he takes them through the Red Sea. You've heard this story before. And when he does that, it's really a picture of salvation, is it not? 
When they leave that place, God saves them from their sin, their iniquity, their bondage, their slavery, and he sets them on a new journey and a new course. And they get out through the Red Sea on the other side of the Red Sea, and now they just got to simply trust God. And when they do that, what do they do? They bellyache, complain. They go through a lot of different uh, situations and circumstances through that time. And God reveals himself. God blesses them. God gives them bread from heaven. God gives them all the things that they need, gives them water from a rock. God does all kinds of miracles and great provisions for them to survive through that time in the wilderness and in that desert time. And so why do I tell you all that? When we get to the book of Numbers, God is taking them again from that place to the promised land. Now something happens whenever at the beginning they send out 12 spies into the land of this land of Canaan. And when they send out the 12 spies to this place, two of them come back with a good report. My children's church uh, crew can tell me this morning who those people are. But Caleb and Joshua are the only two that come back with a good report to say that this is the land that we can go in. Yes, there's giants in the land, but God is bigger than those giants and God can give us that land. And the other 10 out of the 12 came back and said, no, they they were fearful. They were afraid and they didn't enter in. And because of that disobedience, they sat there for 40 years in that wilderness and in that desert time and we're going to die. And the only people that were going to live to be able to go into this promised land was Caleb and Joshua because they're the ones that believed and that trusted in what God said and they were fixing to enter in. So now when we're in the book of Numbers, we find ourselves that Moses is lining this generation up to be able to go into that promised land. As we've seen and heard of preaching in the book of Joshua, as they walked in, you remember going through the Jordan River and passing through and then going into the city of Jericho and those walls falling down, they circled around that place and the walls came tumbling down and they started conquering the land and God giving them that beautiful land that he had promised to Abraham years before. All of those things happen because of Moses setting the stage for them and getting them ready to take on this new journey in their life. And so as we transition, I'm going to ask our older children's church to follow Miss Rebecca out. And so what happens here in chapter 32 is the nation is ready to go in and to conquer this place. Okay, stay with me this morning. The the nation of Israel is ready to go in and conquer this place. And it was set out when they go in that they were each going to get a piece of territory of the nation of Israel. They were finally going to be able to settle, settle down. One of the things about us transitioning as a church, and we've said this many times, is the fact that we just don't, we don't uh, get a chance to really just let our hair down. You know, if we want to leave a Bible here, and I know some of us can't really let our hair down, right? But if we want to leave our Bible here, if we want to leave something up, you know, it, it's not a traditional setting for us. And so it, it kind of is not always just home. And so, you know, when you're home, 
you will take off your shoes and sometimes leave it out of place and just because what? You're, you're home. You don't go to a stranger's house and take off your shoes and put it wherever you want to and leave it right there in the middle of the floor or you know, you, you, would, you would be probably an uninvited guest at, uh, at that point. And so that's, this is how this nation was. They were a people that were unsettled. And, and they were ready for home. <clears throat> they were ready to really call a place home and settle, especially on a group of people that God had said, you're my people. And so when they make this way in this journey, they had, God had already given them and told them, I'm going to divide you up in these 12 places. In the nation of Israel, you all have a place. This situation comes up in chapter 32 as we finally are going to settle in there. And it says that two, and a, two tribes, it starts out, but at the end of this chapter in 32, it's a, a, one of the half tribes... So two and a half of the children of, you understand Jacob, <coughs> Israel had 12 sons, and that's what the breakup is. And two and a half of the, uh, of the tribes of the children came to Moses in chapter 32 and says, listen, we like it over here on this side of the promised land. We like it. And, and he says, whenever y'all go in, he says, we would like to stay back on this side. We, we kind of have some cattle here. We have livestock on this side. And it just favors us if we were to settle on this side of the Jordan River. And that's what you see here in the, verse, in the first five, uh, five verses here, their request to them. He said, especially at the end of verse 5 of chapter 32 of Numbers, it says, is the land is of, of, for livestock and your lives and the servants have livestock. It just really makes sense in verse 4, excuse me. He says, it really just makes sense to us that we would have, we would, uh, we would stay here. In verse 5 it says, therefore they said, if you have found favor, if we have found favor in your sight, let this land be given to your servants as a possession and it says, he tells, they're saying this to Moses, do not take us over the Jordan. Now, what's neat about the Jordan River, so I told you salvation is really them crossing over the Red Sea. God has really said, you know what? You're leaving that old lifestyle. You're leaving the sin of Egypt and you are now on this new journey. And sometimes that new journey is rough and dangerous. One of the most critical times in a person's life is not the moment of salvation. It's really the, the few years right after salvation. It is very a difficult and a, and, a, and a tough time for them, uh, for a person when they first come to know the Lord. And that's what it was for the children of Israel. Now they get to this place of the Jordan River and they have, they come at really another fork in the road. Are we going to enter into this new place or are we going to settle? Are we really going to cross over that Jordan River? Because God tells us in John chapter, uh, chapter 10, verse 10, he says, I don't want to just give you life, but what? He says, I want to give you life more abundantly. 
And he says, when he, so he tells them, he said, listen, I'm bringing you all the way to this place of the Jordan River. And it's a climax for them. Am I going to enter into this new place? And I'm really going to be able to see God's blessings and these walls fall down and, and cities being uh, uh, taken over and fortified and really having a place to really settle in and get comfortable and really see the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God? Am I going to enter into that place? Where they tell him in verse 5, he says, you know what? We don't want to go on the other side of the Jordan River. We want to stay here because it is suitable for us and our lifestyle to be here. And so continuing on in verse 6 uh, and, and really 6 through 15, Moses gives them a, Moses really doesn't like this. Now, what I love about Moses is Moses never got his eyes as the leader. Maybe it's the leader of the church for us. Maybe it's the leader of our home and, and the leader for your own life is that you need to make sure you have the right goal in mind. Right. You need to make sure you have your eye on the goal and what you're really trying to accomplish. Moses knew, listen, I don't need to fall short of anything that God's blessing is in my life. I don't need to fall short of that because the last time they fell short and they, they allowed fear to come in their lives and they allowed all these uh, circumstances to dictate what they were going to do and not do, bad things happened. 40 years of just waste. And Moses is like, I don't want to do that again. And Moses says, listen, I don't want to not trust God. And when God says for us to go through, on the, through the uh, Jordan River and get to the promised land, he goes, that's my goal. That's what I want to do. And his goal is not to leave anybody behind. His goal is to bring everybody through to the promised land. And that is the shape of a good leader. And that's why Moses in his first response to them is really not a good response. But I want to read this quote by Warren Wiersbe. It says, a successful community or nation depends not only on keeping our word and trusting God for victory. Let me say that again. A successful community or nation depends not only on keeping our word and trusting God for victory. It also depends on the loyalty of people to each other. And here's two and a half out of the 12. We already had a situation that two of them only came back with a good report. And 12, of, I mean, 10 of them didn't want to go into the promised land. And that's why God made them just wander around in the desert for 40 years and, and die instead of going into the promised land. He says the next generation is going into the promised land. Now, here's two of them, two and a half that say, you know what, we don't want to go in. And Moses' response to them there is, listen. He says, shall, he says, tells them here in verse 6, shall your brethren go to war while you sit here? Now you will discourage the heart of the children of Israel from going over into the land which, which the Lord has given them. He says, are you really going to do that? You're, he's telling them here, you're being selfish. And so for us today, how do we take this? Number one, God has us on our individual journey, but our journey is not isolated from our brothers and sisters in the Lord. And our journey is not isolated from just our community around us. We're responsible for each other. And we need to understand that responsibility. I can't just do things on my own and say there's no consequences for it. I've got my family to worry about. I've got my church family to worry about. I've got my friends to worry about. It's important. God asked Abraham, God, not Abraham, but God asked uh, Cain whenever he killed his brother. He says, Cain, where is your brother Abel? And what was Cain's response? He says, am I my brother's keeper? 
Yes, you are. You are your brother's keeper. And you know what? It's easy to go through this life uh, just, you know, doing your own thing, going your own way. But our way intersects with this. Is the reason we really have laws in this world. Can you imagine in our state? It doesn't seem like we have laws on the road, right? But we actually have laws on the road that says stop and, you know, rules of who goes first when you come to that stop sign together, right? And, and there's, there's laws we live by because we all have to live amongst each other. We all have to follow those rules because when we don't follow those rules, then we run into a situation where it, it intersects and it, and it really crosses over into somebody else's territory. And so he tells them here, he says, how dare you basically in verse six and seven do this to your brethren? You're selfishly wanting to stay here and not get God's best for your life. Are they in Egypt? No, they, they have experienced good. Is it better for them where they're at? Sure. But it's not God's best for them. And he says, listen, understand what they're asking. And he's, go, let's, let's skip on down into uh, verse 30. He, well, really in verse, I uh, just want to say this again, verse 6 through 15, what, what Moses is doing, he reminds them of the 12 spies and how God had already chastised them and, and really came down on them because of that. I love how when somebody, you ever got somebody mad and they really told you how they really felt about you? Well, that's what happens in verse 14. In verse 14, he really calls them a brood of vipers or a brood of sinful men. He says, you look and you have risen in your father's place a, a, a brood of sinful men to increase still more the fierce anger of the Lord against Israel. And he basically just says, how dare you do that? And he really says something kind of ugly towards them. But I've had that happen to me. And somebody's anger and rage, they kind of really tell you <laughs> what they think about you. And he tells them that he says it because why? As Moses says that leader, I said this a while ago, his focus was on the end game. His focus is on what focused on what he needed to accomplish for the Lord. In verse 16 through 19, we kind of see here that they give more of an explanation. Moses, you're right. And, and Moses, even though we want to settle here, we're not trying to do that to our brethren. We don't want to be in a situation where we discourage their, them and their hearts. And I love these, even though I'm not completely on the side of the two and a half tribes that decided to stay because. I understand, and there's a lot of logic, there's a lot of things that make sense, but still, it's not God's best, it's not the best situation for their life. They still didn't want to cause any harm to their brothers and understood Moses' point. And it said, Moses, what we'll do is, is that we'll go in and we will fight with them to conquer the land of Israel First, we will build cities and, and, and things like that for our people, for our wives and children. And he says, we'll, but then when we cross over the Jordan, we'll cross with you guys and we'll go in, conquer the land, and then we'll come back to our property. And Moses settles an agreement with them. The leader understood. Their hearts were his heart was tugged to kind of just make sense of this. And he allows it to happen. 
And in verse 23, it says, but if you do not do so, if you do not do, and he says, then take note, you, you have sinned against the Lord. Now, this is a very popular passage of scripture that is used many, many, many times. But it is, this is the, in context of what it was used for. He says, and be sure your sin will find you out. You will take, you will hold the consequences as if, if, if you do not keep your word. And the way it's kind of used is this. And if you're like me and there's a guy that I talked to that I, uh, a, a man that's probably about 10 years older than me that him and I, we, we kind of communicate a good bit and try to hold each other accountable. And we were saying this to each other the other day is that when we do things wrong, I can't think of one thing right now in really a clear mind of that I've done that it has not come back and revealed itself later on. Sin in my life. The sin always finds a way to make its way to the surface. And your sin will find you out. And for them, Moses is saying, listen, you deal with it. You're going to have to hold, God's going to hold you accountable. And don't forget what God did to the nation of Israel last time whenever they sinned. And now this is going to be on you. So let's move forward. And so there's an agreement there. He tells them, this is what's going to happen. He says, but it's going to be on you. And in verse 28, he says, so Moses gave command concerning them to Eleazar the priest and Joshua, the son of Nun, to the chief fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel. Why did Moses do that? And right there, that was in verse 28. Why did Moses do that? Moses had enough insight as a leader to go to say, you know what? God had already told me I'm not bringing you in. And he had enough insight to, to say the priest, he's going to be there. Eleazar is going to be there. Joshua is going to be there. Joshua is going to be the new leader. And he communicated well to say, listen, don't forget later on that I made this agreement with them and that they're going to do that. And in verse 29 is where you see, or in verse 33, actually, is where you see that the other half tribe of Manasseh, Manasseh is the son of Joseph, one of the sons of Joseph, that is the other half tribe that decides to do this with them. They got another have tribe to commit with them on this. Joshua chapter 1, whenever they're talking about crossing over the Jordan River, and I'm telling you, you've, you've heard so many stories, have you not, about the Red Sea crossing. The more you understand Scripture, in my opinion, and you see the Jordan River crossing, is more of a supernatural blessing in the nation of Israel life than even the Red Sea crossing. Because God doesn't just want to save you from your sin. I'll say this again. But God is wanting you to see his true hand of blessing in your life. When they cross over the Jordan River, it is that flood season. It is at the time where the river has completely overflowed. And it tells you very specifically on the Jordan River of where it goes back to and where it goes, where it goes on one end to the south and the other end to the north and how God just held it back 
right there. And then when they went in this time, because God this time had some things in order where they had the Ark of the Covenant and the priest, all these things were in line because of all these rules and regulation. And God was with his people in that Ark of the Covenant and the priest had to hold it there. And until everybody, if you've ever seen a picture of it, you would have people on both, on both sides of the Ark of the Covenant, kind of the way we see a casket. And when these people were holding it, these priests, the waters didn't open up. Instead of last time, Moses just stuck out Aaron's rod and the, and the waters opened up. In the Jordan River, whenever they were standing on both sides of it, it wasn't until the last priest made his way in there. The first guy, if he was a short guy like me, he was probably already underwater, especially on those flood waters. And when they all got in with the Ark of the Covenant, meaning God was in that place. And when they all got in in faith together, the waters opened up. And when they did that, they had to take one person from each tribe, grab a stone. And Joshua takes, the, uh, takes 12 stones and he builds it there in the middle of the river, in the Jordan River. And if, and if I believe God's word, which I do, I believe that is still there today. That's what God's word says. In the place that they cross, there's 12 stones representing the 12 sons, the 12 tribes of Israel right there in the middle where they cross. And then when they got all the way through on the other side, and they got to the very end. They had grabbed a stone, each from each tribe, grabbed another stone. There's one built there in the middle. And they grabbed it from the, from the middle of the uh, river. They grabbed the stone and they took it. When they crossed over and the water all came back over, they built the other 12 stones on the land. So that generations could come by and see and be reminded of what happened in the, in the middle of the river. And so when they come to this place of 12 stones on the, on the side of the Jordan banks, they could say to their children, there's 12 more stones in the middle because what God had done for his people. God didn't leave us on the other side of the Jordan like the two and a half tribes. He didn't leave us back in Egypt in a place of sin. God had a plan for us and we're on this side of the Jordan River. And so continuing on, all these things happened. All these things took place. And I'm finishing up. God doesn't just have good for us. God doesn't just have better for us. But he has the best for us. In Joshua chapter 22, it tells us of what happened and it came to pass as far as what happened, what Moses had agreed to in, in Numbers 32, 33, <clears throat> where he said that you'll go in, you'll do all these things, and then you'll go, you'll go back out. And those things came to pass in Joshua 22. <clears throat> exactly the way Moses had told them and what their agreement was, they did that in Joshua 22. They fought with the children of Israel. They saw, all, they saw all of the blessings that God had done and yet they still returned back over the other side of the Jordan River. Before they do, they did something very interesting is that they built an altar to the Lord before they crossed, right at their crossing. When the children of Israel saw it, guess what they did? They took offense to it. They came running to them. This is in the book of Joshua. 
They came running to them and said, what are you doing? You're fixing to cross over the Jordan River. And before you do it, he said, they, they tell him, you're going to build an altar here. And he goes, is it to what, what God is this for? Like, why, how dare you build an altar here at the Jordan River before you cross back? And, he, and they tell them, the children of Israel said, do you know if you have done this against God, God just won't punish you. Let me say this again. God just won't punish you, the nation of Israel told these two and a half tribes whenever they built that altar there and was fixing a cross. He said, but God's going to punish us as a nation. And they said, God forbid. The only reason we built this here is for a reminder that we serve the same God. He says, and so when you, we cross back over, we want you to be reminded that we are of the same nation. We are of the same God and that we serve the same God and we won't forget when we cross over the Jordan River that we serve the same God and that we're brothers. And the nation of Israel said, good. Because when they crossed over, they just wanted to make sure that even though they cross over, God still holds them all accountable. And so as we're thinking about good, better, and best in our lives, just understand it doesn't, it's not just in our lives, but our lives affect all of us. And so when you fall, I fall. And when I fall, you fall. And when God lifts us up together, he's lift, lifting us up together. That's why we got to learn. And when it says in scripture, when someone mourns, we mourn. And when someone weeps, we weep. And I think the hardest thing of it all is when somebody rejoices, we rejoice. But understand when we're going through life, these things <clears throat> are for each other. Let me read two things and I'm done. God wants his people to be like the new, like the new generation that trusted God. Listen to this carefully. That trusted God, entered the land, claimed the victory, and then enjoyed the blessings. They claimed the victory because God gave them the victory. They had to walk in that victory, not because I just said, I'm going to be victorious, but because God said, here's your victory. You go in. This is what you do. I've already given it to you. They went in and did that, the children of Israel in the book of Joshua. And then they got to enjoy those blessings. Let me tell you, and then the second thing, and I'm done, is Caleb. I love the story of Caleb. We looked at this the other day. Uh, was it last week or the week before, Brother Jake, right? And so when we looked at the story of Caleb, Caleb was the lone person besides Joshua that had came with a good report and that God allowed to be an old man like Joshua, to cross over into the Jordan River. Whenever he was one of the two spies that came back, Caleb, whenever he was one of the two spies that came back, he was 45 years old. That him and him, uh, Caleb and Joshua came back and they said, we can do it. And everybody else said, no, we can't. And because of his faithfulness, God says, uh, Joshua, I'm going to make you the next leader of Israel. 
Caleb, he goes, I'm going to give you a very special piece of property whenever you get there. And this happens in the book of Joshua. And, you know, through our faithfulness and through just wanting God's best for our lives, Caleb went through a lot of 40 years of seeing people die off, all of his friends, all of his family, and he gets to see this great victory of crossing over the Jordan River, seeing these cities fall down, seeing all of these things happen, and finally the property is his, yet he's 85 years old. His faith of this was 40 years before when he was 45. And now that he has all of this property, the Bible tells us in the book of Joshua, and I want us to understand this, when we are faithful to God, God is going to be faithful to us. I love the story in Joshua 14, and I'm not going to read it, I'm just going to summarize it. God gives him that piece of property, and Caleb basically says, first of all, he comes to God and says, God, where's my property? When God says and tells you something and, and it's very clear that he said it and it's in his word, you can come to him and say, God, you said that you were going to do this. And that's what Caleb does. He says, God, you said you want to give me this property. Then he also says, God, I'm an old man now. I can't even really tend to this land. Let me tell you something. When you do the things in the Lord, if I can encourage you or do something on my own, it'll only be short-lived. You'll forget it two minutes down the road. But if God put it on my heart and God is the one that did the work and God, and whenever I do something very small and minor in your life, God can take it even further. Does that make sense? And so when God gives him that property because he's doing what God has wanted him to do and he was faithful to God, God says, I'm going to allow your body to be as it was when you had that faith. Your body will be not as the body of a, a man of 85 years old, but as a, as a body of a man who's 45 years old. So when you tend to this land, only God can do that. He says, when you tend to that land, you'll have the strength and the ability to really work your land because of God's promises to you. So when you walk over in that Jordan River and you're taking God's best, and this is why this is really a sermon for me, and you're just hearing it, is we're missing out on God's just daily provisions and his blessings that he has for you and I. So may God have his way in our life. May God really give us the blessings that he really wants to Give us, I'm going to read that last quote and I'm done. God wants his people to be like the new generation that trusted God, entered the land, claimed the victory, and enjoyed the blessings. Let me pray for us. Lord God, we love you and we praise you. We thank you so much, Lord God, for who you are. Thank you, Lord God, for allowing us to see this message this morning so that we could be challenged. Lord, I pray that each and every person in this room is going to find themselves at one of these three places. Number one, of salvation. Lord, if there's never been a time in their lives where they had really turned and trusted you. 
meaning that of understanding where I am as a sinner, that nothing I can do on my own can get to you, but because of what your son Jesus did on the cross for my sins, that paid my sin debt, that I could enter into a, a place of salvation because of Jesus. Me turn from my wicked ways and call out to you for salvation. You say when we do that, that you will come in to us and take residence with us and be the Lord and Savior of our lives. With that invitation, that all we have to do is invite you in, call out to you for salvation. I pray, Lord God, if there's some that are in that space this morning, Lord God, I pray that they would make you Lord of their life today. I pray for many Christians today, Lord God, that is in a place of salvation but not in a daily walk with you and not in a daily trust, trusting you with their everyday life. Just kind of going through the motions and when things come up, I'm running to you, but I'm not really seeking you each and every day. I'm not really experiencing the great blessings that you have. There's many things that I'm just settling for in my life. And I pray you would get a hold of us this morning. Really show us these areas, Lord God, so that we could really find ourselves trusting you throughout our day. And finally, Lord God, I, I pray for the ones that are really trying to really see you in your absolute best, that, that we won't settle for anything else. We won't go to these places and, and find ourselves just, this is okay and settling, that we would keep striving for your absolute best. I'm sure Caleb got discouraged many, many times in his journey, Lord God, but he kept believing and trusting you in your promises. And I pray, Lord God, that you would really just continue to have your way in and through our lives this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'm gonna invite you to stand this morning as we sing this last song. I'm gonna be up here if you wanna take some time to pray or let me know something that's going on in your life this morning, but let's give this time, this last time, a response to him. Cause I need you to soften my heart and break me apart. I need you to open my eyes, see that you're shaping my life. All I am, I surrender. Give me faith to trust what you say that you're good and your love is great. I'm broken inside. I give you my life Cause I need you To soften my heart And break me apart I need you To pierce through the dark Cleanse every part of me. 
real quick and then we'll have a seat and uh, I'm going to uh, take a few minutes we want to share a couple of things with you and then we'll be dismissed for today. Let's pray. Lord God, we love you and we thank you, Lord God. Thank you for our time of worship. Thank you for our time of being able to just hear from you today, Lord God. I pray the things that uh, Brother Jake and I share, Lord God, that it is very clear and uh, that we could uh, just 